Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you're here this morning, and uh, it's good to be with you and and to be with God, in God's house uh, to share this time with you today. Uh, we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those out and to fill, it, fill them out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, be sure to put your email address on there. It's a great way to keep up with uh, the activities that are going on here at Community Baptist Church. Um, thank you for the wonderful fellowship breakfast this morning. Uh, the Midway class was responsible for that, and as always, it was wonderful. So we thank you for that. have uh, several things going on. Our youth will be uh, meeting this afternoon at 345, and I think they're meeting here at church then, and then heading out to the brain injury camp for some activities this afternoon. So uh, if you're a part of the youth back there, be here at 345 and invite some friends to come. Uh, also, there are lots of meetings that are going on today, and uh, also we have a sign-up sheet on our table for our baseball outing going to uh, St. Louis for, for the cards game on August the 16th. So if you would like to attend that, um, I'm sorry? Okay, need to sign up today if you want to be a, a part of that group. And uh, Chris, if I don't get signed up, I'm going, okay? <laughs> I have a, my memory is not like what it used to be, but <laughs> her memory is not there good either. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I don't know, do I? <laughs> See, I have, I have to have people to keep up with my schedule for me. Uh, but anyway, go to the uh, baseball game on the 16th and sign up over here. And uh, lots of meetings today, so if you're, if you're part of one of those committees, uh, one of the meetings today is our Upward team, our Upward committee, and if you would like to participate in Upward in any way, uh, we'd like to invite you to come and be a part of that, that meeting today. Uh, we'll be getting up and started with that very soon. You know, it's, it's one of those things that rolls around every year about this time of the year, and so the, at the very first of the school year, which is just in a few weeks, folks, uh, we'll be passing out the brochures and uh, getting ready for our evaluation time. So we need as many hands on deck as we can for that. So uh, if you'd like to volunteer for that, come and uh, see wh where you could be useful today. It's great to be here with you, and uh, let me invite you now. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
responsive reading as it's printed on your order of worship. Oh God, we gather together in your presence with expectation, hungry for your for an encounter with you, eager to hear your word. Open our eyes and ears to the presence of your Holy Spirit. May the seeds of your word scattered among us fall on fertile soil. May they take root in our hearts and lives and produce an abundant harvest of good words and deeds. Amen. The scripture reading today is Matthew 13, 1 through 9, and 18 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose... They were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let everyone with ears listen. Hear then the parables of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while, and when trouble or persecution arises on the account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word The cares of the world and the lures of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, and indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty.
Hello. Where are the kids down here? Come on, little ones. Climb on down. Why don't we sit in the front row? Okay? Might be better. While we're getting set up here, uh, I'm ask a question. I'd like to see the hands of... Uh, about six years ago, we went to Slade, Kentucky, and uh, with the youth group, several of us, and we did a mission trip there. And uh, I had several helpers go with me, and I like to see the hands of all went to that. Okay. All right. All right. I want to thank you all, okay? You're all getting to hear this because of these people, because they told me I did a devotion that's called the Corn Devotion, okay? And I did it at this time, and for some reason they've asked me to do it again. I have no reason to know why, but they have, okay? But we're going to do it, okay? And I'm going to bring it down maybe a little bit lower level, but hopefully it'll be entertaining for you all, too. You don't know what I got here? Yeah, it's corn stalk, ain't it? Wow. See a lot of it right now, don't we? A lot of it out there. Drive down the road, you see it everywhere. Right side, left side, road everywhere. Okay? Well, I'm going to kind of tell you a little story about corn, okay? I'm going to tell you what makes up the corn because many of you probably know that uh, it grows a plant. You go out, pick the ear off of it, you either eat it roasting ears or the guys out there shelling it, okay, for grain. Well, in this case here, what we have is a corn stalk, it's a proper name for it. At the top, we have what's called... Uh, this is a tassel up here, okay? And this is a very important part of the corn. This is the flower. Even though most people don't think that corn is a flower, it's pretty, but that is the flower of the corn stalk, okay? We go on down, we have uh, ears, okay? And naturally, with it closed up, we can't see, but what we hope is going on in there is what we like to eat. Of course, out here we see this. We see this is called silk. Okay? And the amazing thing about corn is, for that to get grain down here, it has to do something kind of marvelous. But all plants do that marvelous thing. It's called pollinate. Now, a lot of plants pollinate through butterflies and bees, okay? Corn doesn't. Corn self-pollinates. Have you ever heard that? It's a self-pollinating plant. And marvelous is not. And I'm not going to shake it too much, okay? But when this start, stalk first was out of the ground, and right at the maturity of this tassel, you could shake it, and it'd be a lot of pollen falling off of this tassel. I love you too. Uh, but you know, for the grain to get on that corn, that pollen up there had to come down and touch this silk. And what a lot of people don't realize, every piece of grain... Every piece of grain on that ear has to have a silk running to it. And if that pollen doesn't come down there and touch that silk, it won't produce a grain. And that's why there's so many. I know you all love it when you get roasting ears and you've got to pull that silk out between the rolls of grain. But it's a very important part. Another thing that's kind of important, everybody talks about, they hear about the wildlife, especially deer. They eat their crops. Farmers eat their crops. Let me tell you, folks, deer don't like grain that well. They will eat it, but they don't like it that well, okay? They are a 
vegetarian. They like plants and stuff. What happens is, you can see here on the secondary ear down here, it's not quite as brown, but it's a little whiter. When this first comes out, it's real white. And you can tell it's been pollinated because it's turned brown, okay? But before it went and got pollinated, it's real white, and oh, is it tasty. And if you go to the outside of a cornfield, you'll find that all eaten off the end of the corn. Well, it comes time for maturity, you shuck that back, there's none of these on there. That's why the farmer complains about the deer and the wildlife, because they don't eat the grain, they eat the silk. So that takes away the grain coming on the corn, okay? Now everybody's going to say, well, where are you leading this to? This, this is child's devotion, and God, I love doing these things. I really do. I get more enjoyment out than they do, to tell you the truth. But uh, there's another, another direction I'm going to take on this. And most of you all may have seen it, may have not. And I, the only place right now I can tell you, if mom and dad happen to go over to Evansville, and you go across the big bridge, and when you get on the other side of the bridge, on the north side, and you're going towards Evansville, you look off the right side between the river and Ellis Park. And you will look down there, there's a lot of corn down there. If you will look down there, there's a certain area. And normally we see a lot of it. I didn't see as much this year. But what you'll see is, it looks like the rows are streaked. There'll be eight rows of one color, eight rows of another, eight rows of another color, and, and it just continues like that. Someone says, well, my goodness, how do they do that? It's very easy. They've got a 16-row planter. What they do, they plant two different numbers of corn. In eight of the rows on that 16 planter, they plant one number of corn. In the other eight rows of the planter, they plant another number. You say, well, why are they planting different numbers? It's called cross-pollinating, okay? That's where we get what we call a hybrid corn. And the reason for the hybrid corn is we may get an ear that might be short, real nice kernels on it, okay? That number. We have another number has a real long ear, but the kernels are real small. And naturally, if it's a short ear with small kernels, the less yield. So what we do, we go out there and we plant eight rows of one number, eight rows of the other number. This does not have to pollinate straight down. It can spread pollinate. So what happens when this number blows over to this number, we've got what you call cross-pollination. Now we've got a hybrid-type corn. And that we hope to produce a longer ear with larger grains. I hope I told you something you may not know, okay? But I will, I will tell you this. To get this corn is somewhat like God tells us he wants us to do. When I go and look out in the cornfields, I look at this and I think, you know, Tim's going to talk about today about planting a seed in good soil. That's very important. But what is also important when we plant the seed is that when it comes time, God wants us to spread the word, his word around. He wants us to go out and touch people and pollinate the world. I'm a true believer that God says teach all nations. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go out and touch people with what we know of God's word. And we need to pollinate the world and make it a better world. I hope you all know something. Thank you very much.
Shall we pray? Almighty Father, we once again come with praise. We gather in your name to ask for the blessings upon these tithes. And we ask that you make the soil rich with nutrients so our harvest will be bigger to enrich your kingdom so we can reach out and pollinate the world with your word. Please give us the wisdom to use all of our resources in the manner in which you would choose. We ask these in Jesus Christ's name and all God's people said, Amen.
Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate that so much. Can, can you tell what the theme for today is? Uh, as you can tell, we kind of have a farming theme going on this morning. I probably should have worn my overalls. I don't know. Uh, but, but somewhere, and, and thanks, Larry, for the, the corn uh, devotion again. You know, I, I, I know more about corn than I ever dreamed of knowing about corn or uh, you know, but it's, it's wonderful stuff. I, I think it's stuff everybody ought to know about corn. Um, but, you know, we, we do have this farming theme that's kind of risen to the top today. And, and somewhere I saw a, a long list of 
wise sayings attributed to farmers. So I'd like to share just a few of these sayings with you this morning and and see if you might be able to relate to some of these. Uh, Number one, keep skunks, bankers, and lawyers at a distance. Sorry, Chris. Except for Chris. Chris, always welcome, Chris. Number two, forgive your enemies. It messes with their head. Number three, do not corner something that you know is meaner than you are. Number four, life is simpler when you plow around the stump. Number five, when you wallow with pigs, you can expect to get dirty. And finally, number six, always drink upstream from the herd. (laughs) A lot of wisdom in, in those words. Well, Jesus seemed to have an affinity for farmers because he, he, he told a lot of stories about farmers. And today's scripture is one of those stories. However, the farmer in this story today is not particularly gifted in his, his profession. Jesus said a farmer went out to sow some seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some of it fell along the path. Well, everybody knows you don't plant seed where people are going to walk. It won't grow. It won't even penetrate the soil because the ground is so hard. And so, said Jesus, the birds came along and ate the seed up. Some of the other seed fell on the rocky ground where there wasn't much soil. I think this is happening to my squash this year. Uh, Again, it's not a very good place to sow seed. And the result was that the the plants sprang up very quickly because the soil was was shallow. But when the sun came up, the the plants were scorched and they withered because they didn't have enough roots. Another other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So they didn't survive either. So far, this farmer is 0 for 3 in his attempt to get a good crop. Looks like it's going to be a pretty tough year. But finally you got lucky. Some of the seed fell on good soil where it produced a miraculous crop, up to a hundred times what was sown. I guess it won't be a bad year after all for this farmer. You see, when, when good seed falls on good soil, amazing things can happen. It reminds me of something that Robert Schuller used to say. He said, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. Pretty good. Now, I hope that you get the idea that this story, which we normally refer to as the parable of the sower, is not really about farming at all. No. It's really about a generous God, a God who sows the seeds of love and acceptance for all people all over the world. However, different kinds of people respond to that love in different ways. And so Jesus describes them as different kinds of soil. Some people are like hard soil. They are like the seed that was sown along the path. Now, you may think that as you read that, as you think about that, you may think that Jesus was talking about atheists here or maybe agnostics or something like that, but I don't think that's necessarily true. Uh, Pastor John Huffman 
tells about a man that he knows named Bob, who is in his mid-60s, and Bob's gone to church all of his life, and he thinks of himself as being a very religious man. However, he never let his religion get in the way of his lifestyle. And even though Bob considers himself to be a, a good churchman, and he's probably sitting in church right now listening to a sermon somewhere out there, and even though he thinks of himself as a good church person, he really likes to be in control of his own life. He hears the gospel every Sunday, but the, the seed just never seems to penetrate into his heart, into the soil of his heart. And, and very few of the values that he hears in church are translated into Bob's life because Bob knows what Bob wants and very little of it fits into the claims of Jesus on his life. Bob's problem is that he has committed himself to himself and not to, and not to Jesus. So Bob is the king of his life. And he gets turned off by preaching that quotes the Bible too much. And he'd rather hear comforting words of psychology about psychology. And, and he never wants to hear anything about sin from the pulpit. According to him, that went, that went out of style way back in the Middle Ages. He gets turned off by anything that might take him out of his comfort zone. You see, Bob, for Bob, going to church is kind of like an inoculation for a contagious disease. He wants just enough religion to keep him from catching the real thing. You see that Bob is just as hardened to the gospel as the most adamant atheist or agnostic is. In fact, Bob may be more hopeless than they are because Bob has no awareness of his own need. Bob reminds me of a soldier that I was reading about recently. A soldier, he was a sergeant, it was a real hard case. The chaplain had been talking to him for weeks about his relationship with God, but he wasn't really much, making much headway. And then one day the chaplain and the sergeant and some other soldiers got together for a volleyball game. And when the sergeant took his shirt off for the game, the chaplain couldn't help but to notice that the sergeant had the Lord's Prayer tattooed on his chest. The whole thing, every line of it. The chaplain was stunned. There was the Lord's Prayer. But it was all on the outside. Its message had obviously not sunk in. You know, you can't always judge by outward appearance who has hardened his or her heart to God. But this is the seed that was sown along the path. Then there's the second group represented by rocky soil. These are people who had a, a little taste of faith, but it was not firmly rooted, and it just slipped away. And we can feel a lot of compassion for some of these people. Tom Sutherland was a, is, a, is a man like that. At one point, Tom was an upstanding Christian, an elder in his church. But that was before he was held captive in Lebanon for six and a half years. During his captivity, Tom was held in 26 different locations. And some of his cells were dark and, and uh, cold underground six-by-six six holes. After eight, 18 months, Tom was put in a solitary underground cell, and he became so discouraged, so 
downtrodden that he tried to commit suicide three different times by pulling a plastic bag over his head. But each time he would think of his wife and his three daughters and stop short of killing himself. Now, Tom's a free man today, but there's one casualty of his experience in Lebanon, and that is that Tom no longer believes in God. And when asked why, Tom says, I prayed so many times, I prayed so hard, but nothing ever happened. So we can feel for Tom and, we, and, and for people like him, can't we? We can feel for them. And folks, we don't know how we would react under a situation like that. We wouldn't know how we would re- react to, to such a terrible experience as that. But we do know that there are others who went through the same sort of thing and came home with their faith even stronger. Jerry Levin was a Middle East bureau chief for CNN, and he was also taken captive in Lebanon. And he not only held on to his faith, but he even learned how to to pray for his captors and to forgive them. And it just shows you that different people respond to life in different ways. And and I know that some of us live, live sheltered lives, but listen to this. One day we too will be tested. And maybe, maybe we'll lose someone that we love. Or maybe we'll fall on hard times, lose a job or something. But the question is, is our faith rooted in a good soil that will sustain us? The seed falling on rocky ground, said Jesus, refers to someone who, who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no root They last only a little while. But when trouble or persecution comes along, they fall away quickly. And then we have the seed which fell among the thorns. Jesus says this refers to Christians who have let the worldly concerns, such as material things, choke out their faith. And you know, Jesus could be talking about some of us here. I mean, think about it. Look at the world that we live in. Look at this great nation that we live in. We live in a materialistic society here, don't we? And some of us believe that we can buy our way to happiness, while others believe that we are somehow better than those who have less than we have. So you see that the seed that fell among the thorns, that may be the largest group in our society. Not long ago, pop singer Madonna Uh, the material girl herself, she said, we as Americans are completely obsessed and wrapped up in a lot of the wrong values, looking good, having cash in the bank, being perceived as rich, famous, and successful. And to be honest, I'm a little surprised that that came from Madonna. (laughs) I mean, you know, she epitomizes all of those things. I'm a little surprised it came from her, but if she's right, and I think she is, at least for a certain segment of our society, If she's right, could it be that mammon is really America's real God? We like to call ourselves a Christian nation and we throw God's name around very easily and loosely. But is God really our God or is it our stuff? A Pew Research poll recently asked people what their goals in life were. And according to this poll, 81% of young adults between the ages of 18 and 25 said that getting rich was their most important or their second most important goal. 
Does that disturb you? That getting rich is the number one or the number two goal of our young adults? Folks, let me tell you something. Lots of money does not equal lots of happiness. It just doesn't. Billy Graham tells a story in his autobiography titled, Just As I Am, that speaks to this. It seems that Billy and his wife Ruth were on an island in the Caribbean uh, years ago, and one of the wealthiest man, men on, the, on earth invited them to come to uh, his lavish home for lunch. And as they sat there, as they eat, ate lunch together, this wealthy man, he was 75 years old, they were eating together, and throughout the entire meal, he seemed to be close to tears the whole time. And he said, I'm the most miserable man in the world. He said, out there is my yacht. I can go anywhere I want to. I have my private plane. I have my helicopters. I have everything that I want to make my life happy. Yet I am as miserable as hell. And so Billy and Ruth talked to this man and prayed with this man. Tried to point him to Christ. But later on that same afternoon, they went down the hill to the small cottage where they were staying. And, and that afternoon, the pastor of the local Baptist church came to call on him. He was, he was an Englishman. He, too, was 75 years old. He was a widower. Spent most of his time taking care of his two invalid sisters. And yet, says Dr. Graham, this Baptist pastor was full of enthusiasm and love for Christ and love for other people. And he said, I don't have two pounds to my name, but I'm the happiest man on this island. After he left, Billy turned to his wife and asked which she thought was the richer man. The one with the yacht and the private planes or the pastor who didn't have two pounds to his name? She didn't have to answer. They, they both knew the answer to that. Some of the seed falls on the path where the soil is hard and it's eaten by the birds. Some of the seed falls on rocky soil and it does not establish a good root system. Some of the seed falls in the midst of the thorns of worldly concerns like material wealth and it's choked out, can't survive. But some of the seed falls on good soil. And that's the good news for today. You see, sometimes the message of the kingdom of God falls upon hearts that welcome it and nurture it. And when good seed falls on good soil, miracles take place. You know, seeds really are miraculous if you think about it. We learned a lot about the corn plant here just a moment ago. Think about the potential of one kernel of corn. Larry? One kernel of corn. One kernel of corn buried in the soil will produce one stalk, one corn stalk. And each corn stalk will produce at least one or two ears of corn, uh, depending on the type of corn that you've planted. And the average ear of corn has about 250 kernels on it. So that single kernel of corn under the right conditions, will yield a 250 to 500% return on the investment. Folks, we need to be reminded sometimes that when, God, when good seed falls on good soil in God's abundant world, 
wondrous things can, can be produced. And all it takes is a tiny little seed. Just a tiny little seed of faith. Last week we celebrated Independence Day. We celebrated how much our freedom means to us. And we, and we have this freedom because some amazing people like Thomas Jefferson and, and John Madison and George Washington and Benjamin Franklin and many others planted seeds in this new world. Seeds of democracy and human rights. And from those seeds sprang a nation. And that's how it works. It starts very small. And then it grows and expands and it gets better and better through the years. Good seed is sown on good soil. And when that happens, miracles take place. Now, of course, since we're talking about God's seed, sometimes it will even fall on unpromising soil and still produce abundantly. Mother Teresa died uh, a few years ago, and when she did, she was widely known all over the world. People knew about Mother Teresa from every corner of the earth, a well-respected figure all over the world. But who would have ever thought that she would have attained such influence when she first began? I mean, what in the world did she have to recommend her? This tiny little woman, barely a 100 pounds, and she began with the most meager of resources. Mother Teresa told her superiors, I have three pennies and a dream from God to, be- to build an orphanage. And her superiors told her, you can't build an orphanage with three pennies. With three pennies, you can't do anything. And she said, I know. But with God and three pennies, I can do everything. Mother Teresa understood the principle of the seed. It just takes a little bit to start. But even just a little bit, when it's blessed by God, can produce a miraculous response. It's a beautiful picture. Natalie Sleeth once wrote, In the bulb there is a flower, in the seed an apple tree, In cocoons, a hidden promise, butterflies will soon be free. In the cold and snow of winter, there's a spring that waits to be, unrevealed until its season, something God alone can see. Natalie was a church musician who died in 1992, and she wrote those beautiful words as an anthem dedicated to her husband, Ronald, who is a a well-known homiletics professor. At his request, it was sung at his funeral. For you see, it's a, it's a song of hope and promise. For as long as there is a seed, no matter how small or unpromising it may be, here's the thing. There's hope. Of course, in Jesus' parable, God is the sower. God is the one who sows the seed, and we are the soil. And so I think that in this parable, Jesus would have us today to take a look at our own lives and ask ourselves, what kind of soil is there? Have we become so hardened by self-preoccupation like Bob that the seed can't even penetrate into our hearts? 
Are there rocks in the soil that keep the roots shallow so that it will not survive during a time of testing? Are there worldly thorns like the love of material things that might choke out the life of our spiritual devotion? Or do we have receptive hearts that are prepared to go wherever God wants us to go? God wants to plant a seed in your life today. Is your soil ready? There's a song in every silence seeking word and melody. There's a dawn in every darkness bringing hope to you and me. From the past will come the future. What it holds, a mystery, unrevealed until its season. Something God alone can see. Amen. Let us sing our closing hymn today, number 285, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go. And I hope that's the prayer of your heart today, that wherever God leads you, that you would go, that you would truly follow the Lord Jesus Christ wherever. That's what we want. That's what God wants from us. He doesn't want the hardened heart. He doesn't want the rocky soil or the thorns to choke things out. He wants us to be receptive to His Word and let it take root. And let it blossom within us. Would you sing together, wherever he leads, I'll go.
Give us ears, O God, that do not fail to hear. Give us eyes that do not fail to see. Give us hearts that do not fail to respond. Make us your soil, O God, which receives the seeds of your truth to bear abundant fruit in your name. Amen.